It's time for Talking Pictures Trivia. A quick friendly reminder, when using Google products, hold shift while pasting to paste without formatting. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom. And KJ. Additionally, joining us as a guest this week is... Ryan. Thanks for joining us today. Ryan works in the film industry, helping to release independent films. Ryan has joined us for Time Crimes and Memories of Matsuko. Ryan conveniently still likes movies. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. In round one, each question is worth one point, And in round two, each question is worth two points. Then once the fierce competition is over, we followed up with our famous movie rant where anything goes. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Today, we're going back to 1973 in Germany for a television miniseries directed by Rainer Werner Fassbinder called World on a Wire. If you weren't watching World on a Wire on TV, you could have been watching The Peculiar Life Story of Frederick Baron von der Trenk, or have seen the premiere of the controversial show Neutzen aus der Provence, as well as the recently restored miniseries Eight Hours Don't Make a Day. The highest grossing film in Germany in 1973 was Paplon. In World on a Wire, we meet Fred Stiller, a German lush who, between sexual conquests, has developed an AI world populated with thinking people within a computer. After his partner, Volmir, mysteriously dies and his co-worker, Gunther Lauza, mysteriously disappears, Stiller is placed in charge, despite the fact that he never does any actual work and drinks most of the day. But things get weird, Stella grabs his widow's peak and investigates, stumbling upon corporate corruption, sexy secretaries, and existential crises, but not without taking some time to sit in every single chair in any room he occupies, no matter how short his <laughs> stay or how many chairs the room has. Will Stella save the company and greater Germany from the terrors of capitalism? Will he sleep with every secretary he has? Will he ever learn how not to overact? Watch and see. Nick, if you had only one word to describe World on a Wire, what would it be? Simulacron. KJ? Lauza. Ryan? Style. And my word would be non-binary. It's time for question one. Who is everyone at IKZ ultimately answering to? Oh, no. So just yeah. for the co-host, yeah, yeah, yeah. it may be in the notes. <laughs> Are you hinting that he should cheat? Well, they're in the notes. <laughs> Like anybody you can just, see I'm them. not going to look. <laughs> I won't look either. I won't look either. I'm going to lock in. I still think there could be two answers here. I'm out of my depth, so I'm just going to lock in. Yeah, I'm a little nervous, Tom. I'm, I'm locked in. Okay, KJ, what do you have? All right, so I'm locked in with Siskins. 
because he was the boss man. Is he sideburns? He's sideburns. Yeah, the guy. Okay. Yep, yep. And he does the dance in the middle. Um, okay, that guy's definitely not in charge. You're wrong. I can't, I'm telling you. Right <laughs> well, then, anyway, go on. My go other on. answer would be Remington Steel because I can't remember the name of the steel company that everybody's answering to. So, but oh, I'm sticking with Siskins. Answer. Okay. Yeah. Siskins. <laughs> All right, Ryan's next. What do you have? I do like that you went right for the steel, like the dark, you know, like they're being controlled by this, you know, shadow interest. I was going to be more, you know, more norm core and say it was like the government guy when they had the meeting with the government dude, you know, that guy. Okay. And Nick, what do you have? Well, before I answer this question, I think it was just an accomplishment that I finished this movie on time. So I already feel like I've won, but I, I will participate in today's episode too. So needless to say, I was thinking it was a trick when you were going to say Siskin because he's the head of that company, but you said, who does the company report to? And while KJ's answer is interesting, I also was similar to Ryan. They report to the government, specifically that um, secretary or whatever his name is, his title, because this is government financed. And the points go to Nick and Ryan. IKZ does report to the government, specifically Secretary of State Van Weinlab. And I bring this question up just to talk about the, the kind of circumstance we find ourselves in, where the company is in relationship to um, to its responsibilities, as well as to this kind of sense of corruption that's beginning to walk into the company. So in the matrix, the machine's goal is to make batteries, right? They, the reason they have their simulation is to keep the batteries in check. Mm -hmm. In World on a Wire, the goal is unclear if it's the government that's running it, right? But if it's the steel company that is making the decisions and lining the pockets of the people who are running it, then the, the goal of the simulation is to predict, uh, I think they were focused on um, transportation needs in the future so that they could uh, decide how they were going to move their steel around or if they needed steel to build boats or if they should be building trucks, whatever, whatever it was. It wasn't just steel, KJ. It was more of the economy in general. Is it plastics? Is it steel? Where should we be investing in? Uh, okay. So the steel industry was trying to exploit that power by having you know access to it when other people couldn't have access to it. Where it was supposed to be, the state would be the only one who would have access. But you're you're right. I'm just going a little bit bigger in one area. So in this case, the power of the simulation is information to predict the future which is crazy it's pretty darn powerful i have to say i'm actually a little surprised to be right just because i can't believe the government was funding such a nice like a cushy operation it just everything about it's a private funding and i know you're sensing that i'm a one note pony or whatever mixed metaphor i can yeah. use here on this but like my goodness that was a stylish office for mm -hmm. a government-run organization yeah. <laughs> Well, they're government financed. It was a separate private entity, but they were being financed by the. So that's why you got a little bit of both and, and a lot of uh, snazzy furniture. The $400 uh, toilet seats and. Exactly. I was going to say to Ryan's point, that is, um, I, I think it's most of this movie is about the style. <laughs> you know, because I think what you, you could kind of see the 
the surprise coming pretty far in advance. Uh, it's not it's, <laughs> yes. for three and a half Everyone hours. Everyone but poor Stiller. Yeah, he was yeah. really shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think the movie's about um, dwelling on this kind of stylish, uh, the, style, the stylish decor and these stylish people. So I'll probably say it a lot during the episode, but just like The Matrix, right? The Matrix was also not all about style, but style is a big part of The Matrix. The trench coats, the technologically looking, um, I'll say futuristic stuff, but it's more just modern, modern, modern stuff. Similar to uh, World on a Wire, where everything kind of looks like Epcot, right? It, it's that dream <laughs> of the future. I guess in this case, it's the 70s. Epcot feels a little more 80s to me, but I guess it was being built in the 70s. So It's hard for us to know, you know, just because we weren't alive then, but but also, yeah, how much of that was is like um, German practicality and perceived style versus like what was futuristic. But I mean, of course, with a lot of the shots, they're going out of their way. You know, he was shooting through the glass or, you know, vases and, and stuff like that. So obviously like we were meant, our eye was meant to be drawn to that. It wasn't just like, what, this is an office. What are you looking at? <laughs> mm -hmm. Then you throw up all those mirrors. The spaces look even bigger. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the mirror thing is important. And maybe everyone has a pool like that. Like who, we don't know. We weren't there. <laughs> Oh, that indoor pool. Yeah. That, <laughs> he yeah, walked but, around it, I think, twice. Mm -hmm. No reason, but it was like a chair. It's, it's, it's just so convenient. Just, whenever you it's can just move. like it was right next <laughs> to the dining room. You know, it's like anytime you wanted a dip, it was just <laughs> so convenient. Mm -hmm. I couldn't help but think that's like a swinger's house. You know what I mean? That, that's not like an average person's house. <laughs> that was Ava's house, right? That was Ava's house. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I also, yeah, I do think that the glass stuff is is important, right? This idea of like, um, you're seeing everything through a mirror, a kind of a, a reflection that also doesn't reflect everything quite right. It's, you know, that that seems to be on brand, uh, especially for the fact that the, the camera you almost never see, except in one scene. There is one scene where they, they leave the camera in somehow. Um, it's one of those 360 spins where they're in the, the center of the computer room. Um, the camera gets picked up then, but oh, for the I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't either until I watched the documentary on the movie where they mentioned oh, leaving that in. So I, yeah, I cheated because I, I couldn't see it either. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, they had purposely left this in to sort of make it um, make the creators of the fake world, being the movie, also present in the movie. That type of thing. Their little meta commentary. It's time for. Question two. What did Volma draw? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in. All right, KJ, what do you have? I have the Spartan and the turtle. Okay, and uh, Ryan, you're next. What do you have? Oh, that was more specific. I was just going to say the Greek myth. Okay. And Nick, what do you have? Yeah, I couldn't remember the specifics, so I said ancient guy and turtle. <laughs> Okay, very good. That's points for everyone. All right, does anybody remember what it was? What it, what the point of the drawing was or what the drawing was of? Wasn't it like a paradigm or something like the, it was a paradox, yeah. Paradox, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Para something. Para something, yes. It was something along the lines of you could never get to what you're trying to achieve. Exactly. Very, very asymptotic. But then it had a, like a literal clue too that mm -hmm. like 
something about the the initials led to something. So it, it worked on, I guess, like a couple levels. It's Zeno's paradox, um, which in German, I guess, is Zeno's, C-E-N, which leads them to the uh, the guy who was killed, um, the nobody. But yeah, Zeno's paradox is why, why we have- Christopher nobody. Christopher nobody, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Zeno's paradox is why we have calculus. The, the the whole the point of the paradox is like if Achilles walks, Achilles is the the soldier guy. He's not a Spartan, but we'll forgive we'll forgive KJ. He's a <laughs> yeah. Um, he My is uh, ancient Greek, isn't or Roman? Well, that's why I just went with ancient Greek, guy. Greek. I yeah. couldn't remember. <laughs> but um, the idea is if Achilles walks a hundred yards, and then a turtle walks half of that, a turtle can always close the gap halfway between achilles so how how is it achilles can outrun a turtle right and achilles is like the greatest warrior you know so he should be able to outrun anything um and so basically they invented calculus to explain it <laughs> that's where differential calculus comes from but in the movie they give kind of um a different answer right uh when they mentioned uh Zeno's paradox it was um to show that movement is an illusion this is the scene where they're in, it looked like a mall cafe to me. And again, he's trying all the different seats. It's him and his mm -hmm. friend, um, a Franz. Han. Hans, yeah. Franz. Um, Hans and Franz. The, uh, you know, <laughs> we bump you up. This, <laughs> this is a bit of a tangent, but that scene very much so reminded me of World of Apu when Apu meets his friend before they go to the yeah. wedding. Pulu, yeah. Pulu, yeah. That, that, that uh you know they're sitting in a cafe they're kind of eating it's very relaxed um mm -hmm. so i thought that reminded me of uh, world of the pooh <laughs> okay i did not expect that <laughs> um i guess we could use this as a prompt to talk about the the greater mystery outside of the the corporate espionage going on and uh, what people thought about that if they found that convincing or interesting in any way so i have a lewd joke if can we do lewd jokes on talking figures for me? This is yeah, has to do with uh, you know, it's paradox, it's mm. lewd. All right, there's a scientist and he says, Hey, um, at the end of the hallway is a beautiful person, but you can never get there if you only go halfway at a time, right? You go half and then half and then half and half. Mm. The engineer says, Yeah, but I can get close enough to do what I want to do. <laughs> very appropriate uh, uh, sorry audience sorry it's the theme of this this uh, episode or the show i should say yeah. <laughs> but uh going on about um the bigger the bigger mystery i th this movie was a whodunit right a big difference between this and the matrix is the matrix is a hero story like a luke skywalker story whereas this uh mr stiller is a detective really and he's trying to figure out what happened to Lauza. And then, mm. you know, what is the world on a wire? You know, whatever, what is this? <laughs> like, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, so I, I think the bigger mystery in the end, it it didn't matter. Because like we're saying, it was more the style, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't, it, it mattered for the plot, but I don't think it mattered so much for the movie. See, for me, I knew very early on where they were going and it was almost like slowly. And I mean, very slowly peeling an onion back to see all the layers until they actually finally say that thing I knew all along was the truth that he was in the simulacrum, which by the way, I texted you guys when I was like 10 minutes into the film, I said, don't spoil it for me, but when are they going to just say, Hey, he's a simulation. Yeah. I, it's, it is 
both kind of frustrating in the sense that, you know, you kind of know it's happening. Um, and a lot of the movie, I think, is much more about the, uh, the, the style also of the performance. So the way these very, very hip people are also very, very bored. Um, Stiller is the exception. It's why he seems so much more crazy, in part because the actor's like really swinging for the fences, um, but also in part because everybody else is sort of glassy-eyed. They're sort of glazed over. I mean, this is like, the, the, whatever world they built is just infected with ennui. And so all of these beautiful, stylish people are just, um, just, just too bored they can't they could barely move uh, you know there's the scene where they go to the weird nightclub um where estella's new secretary takes them to the new nightclub and there's just like these nude people dancing and she's walking through like looking at them you know looking at the men presumably to see who she finds attractive or who she wants to take home and just no one is really emoting they're just they're dancing but with almost kind of blank expressions and that seems to be more more important than like is the world a simulation is of course it's a simulation but it's also um i think it's it's both recognizable but also recognizable in the sense of how kind of bland everyone has become. I think we're supposed to see that in, in our own world. I kept waiting for Gloria to have like a total recall moment where like her head, you know, where she just like kept repeating the same line. She was <laughs> stuck and then eventually like her head exploded. But what was, did you guys also, um, what did you think about the like Marlena Dietrich um, projection that was going on there, which I, I actually didn't mean to look this up, but I was just like going through IMDb to refresh myself with the characters. Um, and it's actually this, the song is um, the Marlena Dietrich famously performs in Destry Rides again, but in this one, it's credited to um, uh, uh, Fassbender's then wife, which just as having sung it, not that she wrote it or anything like that. And they were only married for a couple of years, but um, so I don't know, I don't really get like the levels that were going on there. I, like Marlena Dietrich, so Fassbinder, um, it was famously gay despite being married and a lot of his later cinema he does a lot of like kind of queer cinema stuff later on and even a little here and I think there's mo you know and Marlena Dietrich is also sort of a, a queer icon um as she becomes to be recognized later on I think there's just there's these kind of night there's bits of of kind of queer elements in the nightclub scenes um like the the latter nightclub he goes to when he's on the run is that that one maitre d or the, oh not a maitre d excuse me a waiter who's uh, sort of painted um, the white face and the lipstick uh, I, I think it's that type of of scene that he's he's trying to get at what about the buff um, cook in that same scene I yeah. mean that can't be yeah, hygienic yeah, exactly. you're cooking it's, with it's, your shirt off I mean what's going on there yeah. But I, I think it is part of that kind of um, th that sort of queer German nightlife thing that that Fassbinder, a little later in his career, uh, would would look more directly at. And the song that they were singing early on, right? It was like the boys in the background, like that one. That's what we're talking. Mm -hmm. So watching it, um, you know, the second time for this, that song was kind of telling you the plot a little bit right the boys in the back room are deciding what's going to happen and i don't care mm -hmm. right that was her 
And that's <laughs> what <laughs> this movie is, is somebody else is running the simulation. Once you figure that out, you got to stop caring because you're just a simulation. Yeah. And also the, the real world is far less interesting, right? <laughs> like the, the real world is probably far less interesting than this nightclub, you know, um, that's, that's probably, uh, probably a part of it as well. All right. At the end of round one, we have a tie. Nick and Ryan are tied with two points apiece, and KJ is right behind with one. We'll see you after these exciting messages. Have an idea for an ad? Is it a fake product? We'll air it. Send us an audio clip of your fake ad, and after it goes through our rigorous and strict reviewing process, we'll fit it into an episode. Don't have an idea for an ad? Make one anyway and send it to fakeads at talkingpicturestrivia.com or call 201-467-8679 and leave a voicemail of your ad. You'd sound really good on radio. This ad requesting fake ads is a real ad requesting you to send us fake ads. Seriously, send us your fake ads. And we're back. We're at the critical part of our episode where we ask the guest a key question. Ryan, if you could watch World on a Wire with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Guys, I have to admit, I can't imagine a better watching and post-discussion than the three of you. I truly mean Aww. it because we just have like the, the, the wow. three things you want to talk about at the end of this film, which is like a deep nerdy dive with someone like KJ, who's like seen all these movies <laughs> and, and keeps making the comparison and, and knows Matrix backwards and forwards, which I definitely don't. Um, and then Nick, you did not disappoint sending, I'm assuming that was from you. Oh no, sorry, Tom, it must've been from you that was sending uh, screenshots of some book you were reading with passages. And then, you know, Nick's just like coming in with me being like, someone explain this to me, you know, like I could barely get through it. <laughs> so this sounds like a good answer. However, how dare you make me watch this three and a half say, hour movie again? How Nick dare you? <laughs> I actually, it's funny. My, my co-host said it, the stage like I would not like this they saw it before me but I didn't mind the movie the end I will say got very slow that that like last half hour when he's going to the cabin and all that stuff but I actually didn't mind the journey because it was about the experience but yeah I'm not watching this again <laughs> I've seen it twice now so <laughs> I, I think after you've seen it you can put it on and watch any scene. I think any scene is now, it's kind of like The Hobbit, right? You can read mm -hmm. any chapter of The Hobbit and enjoy it after reading. So hopefully the four of us will get to hang out. We'll put it on in the background. We'll get some chips and salsa mm -hmm. or something. That would be great. I love it. Mm -hmm. Would that be the best snack to have? I think this goes back to our prior Ooh, season. Wow. <laughs> no, beer has got to be on oh, the list. No, some beer. kind of like highball, whiskey, like 70s mm, work, yeah. something you drink at work, you know? I want to rye for some reason. They did whiskeys. They did a I lot really, of whiskeys. Yeah, yeah, because it was. It's not a martini. He did order something kind of weird when he was at that. The they film. No, no, no. When he's point. at yeah. that, not that film. The, I don't know. Whatever that projection. The the, not the nightclub. The thing we were talking about before with the weird uh, the waiter. Oh yeah, it's a kind of yeah like okay whatever that is. Yeah. he ordered like some weird studio like 54 four. it was like, yeah, yeah 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 it wasn't something that <laughs> yeah. was like give me the you know something the, the, the chips and salsa yeah yeah, yeah. it seemed like <laughs> very off for the venue great uh, so 
Boar and, and ride. ride. There we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's time for question three. Who first tells Stella he is not real? Locked in. Locked in. Yeah, I know where you're going. I see that face, KJ. I know where you're going. I'm going to lock in even though it's too easy. It can't be right. Okay. Well, Ryan, what do you got? Well, I'll just get the the wrong answer out of the way, which is Einstein. Okay. Uh, Nick, uh, excuse me, KJ, you're up next. I don't think he interacted with Volmer. Um, and Ava might have said something cryptic, but I'm I'm team Einstein here. I think it was the end of what would have been the first night of the show. Um, Einstein escapes and he suggests that there's another level. I'm going with Einstein. All right, and Nick. So we're all getting two points, or no one's getting points because I'm on team Einstein as well. It's not the body, it's it's not the bodysuit, it's who it is. Oh, you guys make me feel better. All right, and yes, it is Einstein. There we go. Yeah. Wow, I thought for sure you were alluding no. to some line of dialogue. That no, I, I made it. <laughs> that was uh, in the Matrix episode last week. That was the big reveal that uh, Neo should have found out when, uh, who's it, Switch. Switch calls him Copper yes. Top. Yep. <laughs> that was the first time that they alluded to them being batteries. Pretty good question, if I do say so myself. <laughs> so talking about the, the kind of the nature of reality it's so about my own reading of this movie and especially of the end the last scene is that no reality is um no reality is really depicted as more real than any other one i think the the final scene of the movie where they're in like a an empty yeah, hotel it's, room and it's but like the windows they open, open. Up the, they open they open they but you don't. You can't even see out them. There's like I saw other a clock tower. There was a there. clock tower. <laughs> There's a little. Yeah, it's. I. I. I would be like, put me back in. Yeah. This is terrible. Put me back in the box. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very constrained. It's interesting. So it's based on an, an American novel, um, Simulacron Three, and in the American novel, if you read, read parts of it, read the ending, um, he comes out. The characters have different names because. American novel. Uh, and they're like, okay, things here aren't quite as nice. Um, we made it nicer in your world. The but you'll get used to it. The moon is only about the third the size that you're used to. Um, but you know, it, it'll be fine. Uh, that that type of thing. And there's this kind of idea in the book that I think is also in the movie of like the real is sort of less real than the this uh invented space. Um, and then, you know, like the, the invented space and the, the real are sort of hard to distinguish. Um, and I was wondering what people, people thought of that reading or thought of the, the ending or how this movie is looking at these kind of different layers of reality. I absolutely love that in 1973, they went for the full mind body swap. I mean, I just thought that was so cool that they did that. They're showing us that what actually dictates who you are or these like electrical processes in your synapse versus your actual corporeal body. So I, I really did like that implementation of how he could move from the simulation into the real world. Now, is that the real world? Who knows? That's, that's the next uh, three and a half hours of my life when they reboot this sucker. But, uh, <laughs> but I did really enjoy that they went there, especially at this time period in history. 
World on a Wire Reloaded. World on a Wire Revolutions. World on a Wire Revolutions. I thought it was World on Wires. You know, we go plural. I was thinking of Stiller as sort of like one of the original NPCs that, that are given life. Just because like what makes him so special? Like Neo's Chosen or whatever. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. But like, you know, the what makes Stiller worthy to go to the other world? And even in the, the 13th floor, it's more clear that Ava has chosen him because she he's been programmed and he's just a nice guy and and she falls in love with him and so she enters the world to be like I want to spend time with you I fall in love with you from afar and and whereas like whereas like Ava is just like this amazing ice queen like nothing about <laughs> so you'll have to refresh my memory I think in my lifetime I have seen the 13th floor but it was so long ago probably when it first came out is that a reboot or, or, or is mm. that something connected to this? It's another, it's made from the same source oh. material, which is actually surprising to me because they have the same names, except Lausa. I don't know. If Lausa. I can't remember that. <laughs> now I feel like I have to say Lausa? the German did actually improve my enjoyment of this. It made it yeah, great. I have to say Lausa. that. Stiller. He's a so megalomaniac. Third- however, they said that. <laughs> so in the 13th floor, it's, she's just, likes this guy that's the that's her drive so in, in the 13th floor <laughs> All right. uh the the ava character i don't remember her name but she is married to the equivalent of fred stiller in the real world but fred stiller goes mad with power as he's controlling this simulation she falls in love with fred stiller at level negative one or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it so then she wants to pull him out so that she gets good Fred Stiller, which they, they did that. They, they no, be, they did that. Right? In this, Wire, yeah, there's a little no, no, bit. A little bit. That, they literally said he was a megalomaniac. I used to be in love with him. <laughs> he's playing God yeah. and she swaps him. So yeah, and he's based on. Yeah. And he's a legit copy of the Fred Stiller mm. in the real world. <laughs> yeah. So I think they yeah. they did something similar. I mean, I again, this episode isn't about the 13th floor. Uh, and nor have I seen it enough to really talk intelligently about it. But yeah, it sounds, I didn't know that they were the same source material. Now I might have to just watch it and regret that I watched it based on Ryan's uh, strong recommendation there. <laughs> is like the, like when they get out, is the real, do you get the real world a lot in the 13th floor? Not a lot, um, but you do get a shot. And basically, <laughs> Um, they step outside on the balcony and it looks like most of the world, um, like the sea rose or they're just in a nice area. I don't know. One of the, two things, the water <laughs> is pretty high the beach, the sea rose. <laughs> <laughs> and there's skyscrapers out in the distance that look like current day Singapore, maybe. But, mm. you know, 20 years ago, probably it's like right out of hackers yep. or okay. something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Um, so, Tom, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say it was a made for TV movie what were they going to show is the real world. So instead of showing you, they left it up to the imagination and that's why the blinds were closed. But they did open. That's the key. Because I thought they were going to say that they were stuck in another box. But then when the blinds opened, it gave me hope that they were in the real world. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any evidence that they're not in the real world. I think when you decide to depict the real world as just a kind of like cage-like room that, you know, that doesn't really have a lot of character to it as opposed to, I don't know, like they could go outside into a field or to the, the, the risen ocean of the 13th floor, or, you know, whatever it is. And instead they have this, like this 
room that the blinds don't even open fully, right? They kind of, they're kind of- They do go up at one point, but I personally think it was a, a tr- uh, like a, a choice by the director because he wanted to show that the guy was happy to be, you know, air quotes, alive. And he was touching fabrics that were real, not simulations. So I think there was a lot of power in him appreciating even the sparse nature of that room. This is going to get weird, but do you guys ever uh, have a thought exercise that what if you woke up and Ben Franklin was like, I don't know, in your basement or Tesla or somebody and like what you would do. I, to try I, to... I haven't had that experience. Did you watch Bill and Ted before you <laughs> fell asleep perhaps? So a side note, the new Bill and Ted is excellent. No, but I, I, I often think about it. if somebody from 100, 200, 300 years ago, all of a sudden popped into existence here, how would you get them ready to go outside? And I think it would take a while. I think you'd have to slowly introduce them to things, get them get them ready for some of the new ideas we you'd have. You'd have a language barrier, even if it was English. There is, in <laughs> fact, an entire movie exploring <laughs> this very thing, which is Encino Man. But you can save that for Brandon another watch. Major. So I, I just assumed Ava was protecting him until... Right. Who knows what's out uh, there? I mean, it could be anything. I don't know. Maybe that's. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, as far as we know, it's the same world, right? It's the same time period, so to speak. Um, well, the only thing we have to sure. go on is they in Stiller's world, they were using the simulation to predict transportation. So mm. presumably they were trying to speed up time. So I, I had assumed if Stiller was in 73, then when he got to Ava's world, it was back a little bit because they were using Stiller's world for the same thing, economic predictions. But that was my headcanon, not... Yeah. Also, I, they said I, that guy, oh, yes, Fred Stiller, the real one, got, you know, power hungry and maybe he was just, it was his toy at that point. So that that's kind of how I took it, that maybe it wasn't even being used for its purpose. Yeah, my, my kind of reading of the ending, and this might also be headcanon, is that none of these worlds end up being particularly appealing, right? That they all they all are sort of being, they're, they're all tools, right? That's what you see in the end. You see a bunch of kind of uh, utilized planes of existence and not, you know, quote unquote natural. And I think that choosing to do that last scene in that kind of confined space is I don't know I, I felt sort of spoke to that that interpretation. So so Tom to get personal here for a moment, if you knew this was a simulation, and someone said, "Hey, here's an exit to the the next level up or the real world, but it's boring," would would you still go or would you want to cipher back? What I I mean I don't I don't know I, I I'm not. Because in, in this movie, everybody goes insane when they mm-hmm. find out they're in a simulation, mm-hmm. except Stiller, right? He's a little bit like Frodo. He can handle it better than the rest. But I think he still wants to get to the real world. Even if okay. it's the same. So or like it- I think you want to get to the real, right? That's what... So I, I think the, the problem is there's this idea of the real that no one actually has in the movie. We see at the end, the real is that room... But we're, who are we in that room with? We have Fred Stiller, who, who we, who's an unreal person, made real, made made flesh, and he's with somebody whose name we don't even know, right? We don't. That that woman is not Ava; she's 
that's a made up name. Uh, Volma never had a daughter, right? She's just some woman. And so whatever she represents, she represents Fulmer's daughter in these, in these fictional spaces, but in the real space, she's, what is she signifying? We don't have, we don't have a signified, right? Um, we have a signifier, no signified. And so in the end, the only signified is this kind of caged space. And the only kind of flesh and blood in there is something that has no name, no identity. And so I think you're you're presuming the real to be accessible when you say, would you go to the real? But, you know, uh, except it's boring. It's not an issue of if it's boring. The issue is, has it ceased to really be recognizable as real? The reality is he didn't know it was even a possibility. When he found out he was a simulation and Ava came up, he's like, I don't care what you do with me. Put me out of my misery pretty much because I'm not real. Mm. So it wasn't necessarily an aspiration. I know yours yeah, is, KJ's question is more theoretical, but mm -hmm. in, in the confines of the film, he didn't even know that was a possibility until Ava said, I want to help you. Yeah. What if you're in a story? And not only that, you're in a story, there is nothing outside of storiness. The quality of life is the quality of a story or a narrative. I think that's what the movie is more or less positing. Or that might be a little of my headcanon. It's time for... Question four. What does Ava transform into? Locked in, specific lock-in. Okay, okay, it's a specific lock-in. <laughs> locked in. I have no idea. I guess I'll lock in just to move things along. <laughs> Do you know? Any idea? Hey, yep, Ryan, you're up first. You're locked in last. No, she transforms. She just disappears. What does she transform into? What do you mean? What did she take another form? <laughs> I don't know. I think I missed this whole part. I don't know how I don't, I don't, no idea. Someone else go. I got nothing. Okay. Uh, who locked in next was KJ. So uh, in the scene towards the end of the movie, and I agree, Nick, the movie falls apart as it, as yeah, it goes on. Yeah. Um, so this is the second time Schiller shoots at Ava. Uh, she, so Tom, I disagree with the question, but the answer you're looking for is German Shepherd. Oh man, KJ got the specific lock-in. It is not just a dog, it is a German Shepherd. All right, very good. And so Nick wins the episode. That was is a, amazing. <laughs> I, yeah, I had I had dog, but yeah, sure, German Shepherd. Well, so German you, movie, German Shepherd, I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure they don't think that way. <laughs> they, don't, they just think dog. Well, we're, making, we're making a German movie <laughs> because we're German. So we, to them, it's just a shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you disagree with the question? Because in my head canon, she disappeared, sure, which created a glitch in the matrix. And the quickest thing the AI could come up with was uh, a German shepherd. I feel we could create a spinoff podcast called Head Canon, in which we make up <laughs> what we think the movie is actually thinking. It may have more listeners. It would be terrible, but it would be. Yes, it mm -hmm. could be short. Maybe we should make them very. <laughs> so I obviously, I obviously totally missed that she turned into the dog. I don't know what I like. She went in the woods, remember? Yeah. But yeah, but like, 
anyway, but it does remind me that I did want to ask you guys, why didn't they just remove the memory of Laos from Stiller? Like they seem to have been able to do it to everybody. The else. real Stiller like toying with this guy. They mentioned that. Mm. So he, he actually like got off on his fear and all of that. So it was, it was personal. Like it was almost enjoyment for him. They did address it. Ah, oh, I missed that one too. Thank you. It was yeah. um, when she, Ava was explaining to simulation stiller who the real stiller was the megalomaniac still so i i did want to talk about it we've we've touched on her a little bit already because i think she's one of the the kind of the links to this film um and since we have uh, let's transition into either uh, our our lead good old fred who we haven't discussed at length or the the way in which the parameters of the world are are situated. And I think we, we could start with good old Fred. What did we what did we think of uh of poor Mr. Stiller? He definitely has undiagnosed ADD. I mm. that the just the small part you guys mentioned about all the chairs. It's amazing. Like they're having legitimate conversations <laughs> with him and Mr. Steele, whoever that guy's real name is. And they're like sitting down and he's running around the room, opening up a door, going <laughs> It's through. almost like a play like, where they just need to have yeah. movement. Mm -hmm. It's a finite mm -hmm. set. And they're like, let's keep it interesting. Even when they're moving. having like a business discussion between Siskin and him, he's spinning around on his chair. Like, yeah. <laughs> both of them. <laughs> it made no sense to me. Like they both got some serious problems, but it was like normal. Although you you said that you thought he was keeping it together and, and didn't go insane. Um, and I didn't think so. Like I thought he was unraveling. And so that spinning around in his chair and his bizarre, it's hard to pick up because it's a 70s European movie. There's a lot of bizarre antics that like, whereas like, you know, you watch the American version and you're like, okay, it's kicking between the eyes, bizarre antics, got it, you know? But it's more subtle in these kinds of movies. But <laughs> I didn't think he was keeping it together quite as well as you did. Well, so- Volmer was that the first yes. guy who died, mm -hmm. right? So he lasted about ten minutes. I, uh, Stiller lasted three. We don't know hours. how long Volmer was dealing with that information. <laughs> That's true. He could That's have had true. another three and a half hours just him. The prequel, but Franz, man, Franz was worse than Boromir, right? Like he went right over the mm -hmm. the edge as soon as he found out. I feel bad for Laos, so. actually, Lausa. He just got deleted. Lausa. I'm going to tell you something. Oh, yeah, he found out too, right? He became Christopher Nobody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like oh, Christopher Nobody was was a different person. It, right, right. But he was the, the first time they, they introduced the threat. Right? That's the threat to all the characters now. Once, once you realize that Fred and that assistant guy um, can delete somebody, mm -hmm. and then Einstein says, hey, you're in a simulation, you're like, oh, boy, anybody can be deleted at any time. Yeah, he's I, the movement. The choice of movement is is very odd. I I think it, I think it has to do with this kind of sense of boredom, right? Like I think the the movie is, despite being a mystery with you know with like a matrix parallel, is really about a bunch of people who are really really bored. A lot of them, and Stiller kind of shines out from that as almost like the ADD guy because he he has something to be excited about now even if it is an existential crisis i mean it's not imagine being so bored with everything in your life that an existential crisis uh is the thing that gets the dopamines working right that, that seems to be the 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 other side of the panic of if nothing's real or can i access the real 
it's the you start to see everything else as sort of monotone or cold but even stiller wasn't immune to being bored right yeah that woman gets killed by a pallet of cinder blocks Mm -hmm. and he just reaches down like oh she did have a lighter (laughs) (laughs) a cigarette and walks away Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's i think that's i think that's part of it right i think um you know that this is also pre-panic stiller true true right mm-hmm. this is before he was enlightened really yeah exactly like when uh, that's that's an interesting way of putting it enlightenment right this is this is the cost of enlightenment and everything else seems so kind of boring and plush once once you learn you know that your your existence is fragile there's a direct correlation to that concept and the matrix like exa- specifically what cipher goes through He was living a cush life in the matrix. He got out, he took the wrong pill and he can't wait to get back into the illusion because the real world is harsh, boring and not interesting. So that's when you guys went down that path that jumped out at me right away. Yeah, I I keep, I've talked to KJ about this, but it's, I still think the matrix and this is uh, when Jean Baudrillard was invited to work on the matrix. This is what he said in his his rejection of, of that offer was that the matrix still posits a distinct real and a distinct unreal, a, a distinct hyper-reality and a distinct reality, even if that reality is ugly and, and decaying, right? It's still a place of freedom and it's still accessible. And I think with this movie, that clear distinction is is more difficult to make. It's time for Movie Ren. I was just along for the ride for this one. I I felt like this was all about like the visuals and the mood and and you know Germany in 1973, just taking it all in. So I was less de- obsessed with what's world and what the meaning of it all was. And I was looking forward to watching you guys get into all that. But for me, I was just like kick back, enjoy. <laughs> and boy, did we! <laughs> I think that's the movie's strength is any frame of the movie is it's kind of beautiful it's kind of gorgeous it's great um even in its you know four by three presentation right the glass the mirrors the carpets the colors right i have to say this i mean honestly this looks just like my co-working space i almost want to like send you guys a link to my co-working space (laughs) website you'd be like holy smokes like you're not kidding Mm. for ikz is that the yes that's where i work <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I that's what I liked about this movie. It was the style, same as the the Matrix, right? That's what won our hearts with the Matrix is the style. In addition to the visuals, I also thought the audio was a little interesting. Specifically, something that jumped out at me was the footsteps. They were very prominent when they were running, when they were doing things. I don't know why they just like echoed the scenes, even when there was in an environment where there should be no echoes. Did you guys? Pick that up as well? I didn't, but I, I can imagine the megalomaniac really? saying, uh, mm-hmm. set footstep volume to 200%, or I guess it would be a German accent. Not a- no, you're usually the sound guy. That's why yeah. I thought you might have mm-hmm. had that jump out at you. I don't know. Maybe it was these amazing new AirPods I purchased mm. that uh, enhanced the sound quality. Apple, you can sponsor us. Um, KJ already admitted he watched it on his phone, which gives him the, the cinema, oh, the, yeah, yeah, the cinephile why. finger wag here. Oh, yes. Tisk, tisk. What is considered like the, the grandfather 
Plus the grandmother, what is considered the grandmother of like, we are living in a civil simulation book, literature, source material? Oh Lord, there's good question. one from the 1950s. It was a short story in which it was kind of like um, uh, uh, simulated reality. The uh, tunnel- Like an Asimov or like who was the short story? Frederick Pohl was the person, P-O-H-L, who I'm, I'm not familiar with. And the story from 55 was the tunnel under the world, um, you know, in which, which also actually dealt with um, simulated reality in order to find or in order to make predictions about corporate <laughs> corporate investments <laughs> um are we in a real world or not it, it was uh um philip k dick in 59 has a book time out of joint which does the same thing and we also saw that with um oh we can it was the movie that was made it was the book that was eventually made into the movie um with arnold schwarzenegger the where arnold schwarzenegger is given a vacation in his mind. Is this a second Total Recall reference in one episode? Yes, yeah, thank you, Total <laughs> Recall. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Philip K. Dick's um, We Can, oh, I can't remember the title of the book now. It's one of his his elaborate titles. Uh, but Dick er, had an earlier work where he did the same thing, where it's a man living in a simulated town and he doesn't know he's in a simulated town. Thinking back before that, I can't think of another work before like the mid 20th century where it's like we're in the eye of God, you know, we're in the, the, the eye of someone else's reality. Um, there is a Wikipedia page where it references simulated reality and fiction. Now, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the exact computer simulation we're looking at, but I do see things that go back into the 50s, 60s. Yeah, I've not, I cannot think of anything before the 50s. Um, oh, wait, actually, Simulacron 3 was made in 1964. That's what this is based off of. Yeah. World that, on a Wire. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, Simulacron yeah. 3 is da Daniel Garoy's book. He's a, a Louisiana author. The um, one you mentioned, Tom, The Tunnel of the World, I do see here, 1955. Mm -hmm. I see something called The Velt in 1951, a short story. From illustrate the illustrated man, this grim tale describes two children who prefer their simulated reality nursery to their parents. But if you really want to go back, you go back to the 17th century and talk about Descartes' meditation, which is where the first time we get like, what if you're a brain in a vat, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's that's the whole, you know, the whole Enlightenment project. I got and one further back from you. Republic, no. Plato, 380 BC, contains the allegory of the cave. Yeah, that's book seven of Plato's Republic. <laughs> so, also has, so that yeah. might be the answer yeah. uh, to the question. <laughs> yeah, but in both cases, you do have um you know both in plato and descartes this is doing this is definitely doing the descartes thing right except they're they're not really people um so it's probably more platonic wouldn't you say than cartesian oh i would say that definitely yeah. <laughs> probably platonic though yeah well because they're they're it's not the idea of like you're a mind in a vat right it's it's and there's like the real reality or something it's like you're a you're a person who isn't seeing the real world right you're sitting in the cave looking at the shadows and thinking well they also didn't have the technology or the you know the thought process so i think that's why it's not a specific one-to-one -one. what about caligari 
What about yeah. Caligari? Caligari yeah, is the right idea, right? The whole <laughs> movie is a I was just going to say, I mean, obviously, I think I, Therefore I Am is like the heart of this movie. So, mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. it's related. You're right. It's interesting. Yeah, Caligari also does that, that a little bit. It's, you know, um, yeah. but it's not, but the difference there is it's not the demon that's making the world of Caligari. It's Caligari's own mental illness. Um, well, with 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 Descartes, it's the you know imagine you're you're a brain in a vat and there's a demon who's who's projecting this world around you. Um, so it's it's a little different in that sense. But I guess yeah, we could say that it's either Plato Plato or Descartes invented this this genre. <laughs> so one other movie to throw out as a similarity. You guys remember watching M? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In this one. Uh, after Franz goes over the, well, into the water, I guess, the whole crowd starts saying, murder, murder. That <laughs> <laughs> just reminded me of it. They're pretty end. much the same movie. I mean. <laughs> Can I recommend one more German film? Since these all yes. going to be German films. Yeah. There's yeah. A, a film uh, probably like 10 years ago or so called The Wall. That's in, that's a German film. Um, mm. And it's uh, sort of, uh, you know, like conceptual science fiction light, which is just that like a woman uh, goes to a remote mountain cabin and then sometime during the night, an uh, invisible wall builds around her and she mm. can't leave. And it's just like her whole world has been frozen. And like, that's, it's like, she's stuck inside this very small and it's very beautiful mm. and uh, very almost relaxing to watch, even wow. though it's an existential crisis. <laughs> Feature length <laughs> film? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Great. Yeah, no, I'll add that to the It's just called, what is it called? Just the wall? The wall, yeah. Mm. I'd like to once again humbly congratulate our winner of the week, which is me, Nick. Woohoo! I really didn't think I'd take this one down, but flawless victory. I I shocked myself. You did just finish watching it mere moments ago. (laughs) That doesn't always help. I will say in my own defense too, not only did I appear to space out in certain points, but I watched it a full week ago because I thought we were recording last week. So I will admit that I am not the greatest with dates, but I am also at a disadvantage because I watched it more than a week ago. Fair enough. You can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts on our YouTube channel, Twitter at Talking Studios and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We are extremely grateful to all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. Do you remember Gunther Lausa? Why or why not? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. Thanks again, Ryan, for joining us today. Where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at IndieArtsVoice or at Team SmartHouse. Uh, Smart House is just wrapping up a lot of work with Doc NYC, so you will miss the festival, but you should go to their website and curate your Netflix feed for the next year because there are some awesome documentaries, including the opening at film, which is called Listening to Kenny G about the music of Kenny G, and I highly recommend it. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm sure our and- audience will uh, check that out. I also, I'll recommend your podcast if that's okay. I listened. Oh, uh, thanks. I said the uh, for anybody who's a fan of uh, the Dune movie, the new Dune movie. Um, Ryan has a, a Ooh, good podcast episode on um, on the connections between Dune and uh, the Pacific Northwest. So you should check that out. Thanks. You could find me on Twitter at Thomas Layman fifteen. And also, please check out our sister podcast, Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side, where we go into the movies in a little more depth. And you can find me on Twitter at KJ1000.
I can also be found on Twitter at the nickname. Join us next time when we discuss Tom's recommendation from 1982, The Return of Martin Guerre. Stay tuned for our first impressions of this film. Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing The Return of Martin Guerre from 1982. What were our first thoughts and impressions of this film? So this is the first time I've watched this movie. I suggested it without actually having seen it or really knowing very much about it. I know nothing about the rector. I don't even know what other movies he's made. Uh, I know some stuff about Gerard Depardieu, but but that's about it. And I was looking for something that would be that would work with our matrix theme, but wasn't science fiction. So that was the kind of the requirement I placed on myself was I had to find something that fit with the matrix, but wasn't science fiction. And I think this movie kind of works. I have an argument why it works. So we'll see, see if anybody finds that convincing. However, I watched this movie on my computer and I really liked it. It's it's this little curio. I, I described that way it that way to KJ, which is there's just this weird kind of small, interesting thing that doesn't exactly fit into a specific box, but also isn't particularly grand or large in scale. It's it's fairly fairly diminutive in in its um in its presentation and i think gerard de Bidou is deeply charming in this he's he carries this picture uh quite lovingly so i i enjoyed this and i was quite surprised by it yeah as tom mentioned this summer uh when we decided we were going to do a, a matrix lead up um tom said hey i might do return of martin so i grabbed my phone I, I watched the movie and it's a fun little movie I I didn't enjoy it I'll, I'll be interested to hear Tom's views on how it relates to the matrix but one of my favorite things about this movie has been telling other people the plot which you know normally telling people plots of movie is boring and maybe they've all been bored but it's really fun to walk through this plot um with, with somebody who hasn't seen it especially when you get to the end, the big twist ending, and uh, you know you get to say they start all over again. So um, yeah, it was a fun little movie. I like how you mentioned plot, KJ, because if you really storyboard this, there really isn't much of a plot, yet it still did engage me and keep me interested through the whole thing. It's more of trying to reassure yourself that he is who he says or pick holes at it to find out why he's not. So I, I did find it interesting and, and it did keep my, um, it, well, it kept me interested the whole time. The one thing I will say is I watched this in a dub version, which I usually like to watch in the original language, but just to hedge my bets, I watched it dubbed and also with subtitles, which I think was optimal because the uh, French accent of the dub version was kind of distracting. So I'm not really sure if I made the right call there, but uh, I made it through.